Welcome to the Southridge Church Podcast. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we want you to stay connected with us. You can find us on sanjose.cc or subscribe to the podcast. Good morning. Welcome to Southridge. We're excited to see each and every one of you. We're going to kick off a new series entitled Lead Like Jesus. Amen. The first lesson when we look at leadership is we think leadership starts on the stage. Leadership doesn't start on the stage. And too often when we look at leadership, we think, I'm not a leader because I'm not on the stage. But every person in this room here is a leader. Take a Bible, if you would, book of Luke, chapter number two. Luke, chapter number two. And we're going to look at this great passage of scripture where Jesus is born on this earth, but then we also look at how he grew in leadership. And today I want to bring a message entitled, Lead Like Jesus. Good morning and welcome. We're excited to see you. I'm glad that you're here. Looking forward to our time together. Take your Bible or turn on your Bible to Luke chapter number two. I want to welcome those that are watching online as well. We're testing out our live stream, so hopefully it's working this morning, but we are glad that you're here. Welcome. Too often, when we think of leadership, we look at other people as being great leaders. We can think of characters throughout history that we, in our minds, think, now that is a great leader. Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, Genghis Khan, Joan of Arc, Winston Churchill, Napoleon Bonaparte, Abraham Lincoln, Nelson Mandela, Galileo, Gandhi, Martin Luther King Jr., Socrates, Albert Einstein, Beethoven, Benjamin Franklin, George Washington, Constantine, Queen Elizabeth, Henry Ford, Steve Jobs, etc., etc. And yet you and I, we would categorize ourselves in a different category, wouldn't we? We would naturally say, oh, I'm a leader. Let's just do a little survey. How many of you, by a show of hands, would say, I'm probably not a leader? Can I see your hands? A few of you. Yeah, a lot of you. A lot more. We're shy this morning. We need that extra hour of sleep. I know. We lost that hour. But you all look amazing this morning. So don't worry. Give yourself more credit than you are. But the reality is this, that you are a leader. If you're married, you're a leader. If you have children, you're a leader. If you have grandchildren, you're a leader. If you are a supervisor or a manager, you are a leader. You say, but I don't have any of those. If you have yourself, then you have to lead yourself. Every person here led yourself to be here. We are leaders. But if we're going to learn about leadership, let's look at history's one great leader. Over 2,000 years ago, a man walked this earth. He never wrote a book. He never left more than 100 miles from where he was born. He only had... 12 disciples, and one of those fell away, but yet all of history has been impacted by the man, Jesus Christ. He was the greatest man who ever lived, and he's the greatest leader who ever lived. So if you have a Bible, look at Luke chapter number 2, because we look at the life of Jesus, 
And even Jesus, the Son of God, who left heaven to come to this earth, to be born of a virgin, to live a sinless life, to die on the cross, be resurrected three days later, even he grew, and even he didn't start on the stage. If you would, notice beginning in verse number 39. It says, So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to be have been in the company, they went a day's journey and saw him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, seeking him. Now it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth. And he was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and man. Jesus, as the greatest leader who ever lived, demonstrated that he was also a great follower. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning. If there was ever a time that we needed leaders, it's today, that we need spirit-filled leaders, men and women with a heart and a passion to please you, to do good, and to walk humbly, and to live holy lives. I pray that you would use the word that we've read, the powers in the word, not in my words. So may that power go forward, and may that power touch our lives and transform them. We pray your blessing on this day. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hey, kick or shove or elbow somebody next to you and tell them good morning. Nobody wanted to kick them. Okay, all right, y'all love each other. That's great. It's good to wake up for a second. It's good to kind of shove somebody and tell them good morning. You know, oftentimes when we look at leaders, we have in our mind what a leader looks like. And then when we look in the mirror, we say, that's not the image that I have in mind. However, Jesus is going to demonstrate the key to great leadership. In this passage, you see that Jesus does something quite astounding. We know he's 12 years old. We know that it's their custom to come to Jerusalem every single year at the time of Passover. And Passover is actually coming up. It's the end of August, beginning of April. That time of the year is, is coming up on our calendar. And every year, Jesus and his parents would go to Jerusalem. And so Jesus is used to going to Jerusalem. He's used to being there. But this time he does something unusual. He decides he's going to stay in Jerusalem. 
He decides that he's actually going to begin his earthly ministry. That's literally what he's doing. He said, I'm 12. I'm grown. I don't know if your children were ever this ambitious. I don't know if you ever had a child or a grandchild that one day said, you know what? I'm moving out. And they pack their stuff and they get a little knapsack. They get on their bicycle. They take a flashlight, their G.I. Joes, and their, 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 their little sack lunch. And they're, they're leaving home. Jesus does that. And then his parents frantically come back three days later because they're worried that they've lost the Son of God. How are you going to tell God that you lost his child? That's my greatest fear whenever I babysit. That's I'm going to lose your child because I'm not paying attention to your child. And so here, Mary and Joseph, they're anxious. What's happened to Jesus? And for three days, they're wandering around in the city of Jerusalem. I've been to Jerusalem. Maybe you've been there. It's a large city today, but back then it wasn't as large. They have what's called Jerusalem, and then they have the old city. And you can go through parts of the old city, and it's not that large. So it took them three days to find Jesus. We don't know where they were looking, but they couldn't find him. Finally, when they find Jesus, they see what is he doing? He's sitting around the Pharisees, and he's learning and he's asking them questions. And the Pharisees, they're amazed by his understanding and they're amazed by his answers. And they come to Jesus and say, Jesus, what are you doing? You made us worried. And he's saying, I must be about my father's business. What was he saying? God's got a job for me and I, I decided I'm 12 now, preteen. I'm going to start my ministry now. That's what he was doing. And his parents said, no, 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 you're, you're coming back with us. And here's what's so powerful in verse number 51. It says, Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. That means to come under the authority of another. That meant he was okay following them. He was willing to subordinate his will to his parents' will. The greatest leaders start by being followers first. Today, we have a lot of people that want to lead but don't know how to follow. We have people that think their way is the better way, but they are not emulating Jesus. And Jesus first said, I'm going to follow. You see, if you're taking notes this morning or if you want to follow along on the app, these notes are all there. First of all, notice that how well you follow determines how well you lead. How well you follow will determine how well you lead. Jesus, even though he's the greatest leader, decided that he would be subject to his parents. You see, who you follow will also determine how you lead. It's purely speculation, but I think after three days, Jesus figured out the Pharisees didn't have much more to teach him. And then his father walks in, and then he discovers, I think I can learn a whole lot more from a simple carpenter than I can from these educated folks. He says, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go with that. I think my dad's a whole lot smarter. And you see that all through Jesus' life and all through his parables, what kind of illustrations did he use? Illustrations that had to do with stone and woodworking. He had learned a lot from his father. Why? Because he said, first of all, I want to be a leader, but to be a leader, that means I first must be a follower. 
And today, if you ascribe or you aspire to be a leader, I first must ask you, are you a good follower? Do you know how to follow through on instructions? Or do you think this is dumb, this is foolish, my way is better? You see, the greatest way to influence the leader is to be a good follower. And some of us may say, people aren't following me and I am the leader. It could be that you are reaping what you have sown. And what you have sown is that you were never a good follower. And it could be that the greatest lesson right now is to say, maybe I do need to learn how to be a better follower. So that God can use me in a greater way to be a leader. Because as I look at a situation, not only in our country, not only in our homes, not only in our spiritual circles of influence, I look and I see a lack of influence, of leadership. We have people that have different directions because they haven't decided, here's what we need to do as a leader. And I want to tell you that there's four domains that you see that Jesus developed in this passage. The first domain of leadership was the heart of leader. You say, what do you mean? This is powerful, and I think we read this passage and we just kind of glaze over it. Verse number 40, the Bible says, And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Wisdom has to do with the mind, the intellect. But notice what the priority for Jesus was. Which one did he grow in first? spirit. Today, I see a lot of parents, how they parent is they put an emphasis on the intellect. Oh, you need to go to school. Oh, you need to get good grades. Oh, you need to read these books. Oh, you need to get into this college. And then they say, you know what? It's more important that you skip church because I need you to get good grades so you finish up that project. It's more important that you get these textbooks than this book. And yet, when you look at the life of Jesus, the first prerequisite was the heart of a leader. My question is, where's the heart this morning? Do you have the heart of a leader? The heart that says, I want to be spiritually strong. What are you feeding yourself? You see, Jesus, first of all, said, I'm going to have the heart of a leader. And the, the heart of a leader is where the motivation comes from. Today, you look at some leaders and you're saying, why does it seem like we have so much turmoil and chaos in, in recent news? What's the big story going on right now? Silicon Valley Bank folding. Hopefully, Lord willing, you didn't have your money in the bank. Cash has been trashed for a long time. Put your money in some real assets. But uh, everybody's doing one of these. It's your fault. No, it's your fault. It's the government's fault. It's their fault. And everybody's blaming one another. Nobody wants to take leadership. Nobody wants to take ownership of it. Because somebody had a motive that wasn't, it wasn't the right motive. They knew that the books weren't accurate. They knew that there was something wrong. But they neglected the most important part. The most important part of every leader is the heart of a leader. But yet today, you and I will elect somebody, promote somebody, follow somebody based on not heart, but talent. Good looks. We'll even, they fit my political ideology, so I'll follow them. Instead of saying, what's their heart? It used to be that we wanted leaders that had a heart for God. It used to be that we wanted even pastors that had a heart for God. And yet today, I was listening recently, actually not today, I was listening to a podcast by a Christian leader. And this Christian leader said, I stepped back from public speaking. Because I knew my heart was not where it should be in my relationship to God. 
But yet I was asked and invited to speak at conferences. I was asked to lead ministries. And I didn't want to do it with the wrong heart. And then this leader went on to say, the worst part was that I could have done it. And because there's so lack of discernment among these ministries, they wouldn't have known that I wasn't right with God. Because there's so, lack of, there's so little discernment in the church and in ministries today. Because you and I want to make sure, oh, we want a leader who can... Protect us, keep us safe, make sure everything's affordable, and we want somebody who's going to lead us. Instead of saying, what is the heart of the leader? So when you read these passages, the first domain needs to be the heart of a leader. The heart of the leader is that of a servant leader, not a self-centered leader. Jesus said, I'm going to serve. You see, leadership develops daily, not in a day. This is why some of us will give up on leadership. Because we want microwave leadership. We just want to hear one sermon on leadership and think we're good instead of developing it. Can I tell you, no one was born a leader. Leaders were made, not born. Amen. And so if you don't consider yourself a leader today, please understand this. Your leadership journey actually begins today. Today is where you say, I'm going to lead myself. What time did you get up this morning? What time did you say, I'm going to set this time aside for my spiritual well-being. This is the time that I seek God. This is the time that I'm intentional spending time with my spouse. This is the time that I intentionally spend time with my kids. You see, that's what a leader does. A leader says, if I don't have a business to lead, if I don't have employees to lead, if I don't have a family to lead, then I lead myself well. Do you lead yourself well? Starts with the heart. But it doesn't stay with the heart. Then it goes on to the head. The head of the leader. Notice verse number 46. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. Think about that. This is the Son of God, co-equal in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He had all knowledge, all wisdom. He knew everything. But here is the Son of God sitting at the feet of these men asking questions. When you walk into the room, are you the smartest person in the room? I can tell when somebody walks in the room that thinks they're the smartest person in the room. You can tell, and you can too. And if you are the smartest person that walks in that room, my friend, you're in the wrong room. <laughs> you see, a wise leader will sit and will ask questions. When Pastor Dick Bernal was here last week, what do you think I did? I had a list of questions for that man. He kept his marriage. He raised kids, kids that are in ministry. He built a ministry. He raised funds. He started multiple ministries. You ask a man questions like that. You don't sit there and tell him all the great things you've done. I can't hold a thimble of accomplishments to that man. And so you sit and you ask questions, but yet we think that, oh, I've got to have the right heart, but I don't need to worry about the head. No, my friend, ask questions. You're struggling with your marriage? Why do you think you only need to go to the pastor? Why don't you look for somebody else in the congregation who has a great marriage and ask questions? What do they do? You see somebody who's not only just raised good kids, but has good grandkids? Ask them how they did it. Ask questions. You see somebody whose passion for God is real and genuine? Ask them what their habits are. Ask them what their routines are. You see, the head of a leader is one that says, I'm going to learn and I'm going to take in. Jesus asked questions. Jesus was a learner. And that blows my mind. Because today, do you even open up the word of God and say, Lord, help me. What does this passage mean? Or do you just open the word of God and just kind of read it and then close it and check it off the list? 
Or do you ask God to give you discernment? Ask God to give you enlightenment? And then I see this. There's the hands of a leader. In John 13, we see that Jesus is sitting around the Last Supper, and he's watching his disciples eat. And what does Jesus do? He gets up. He takes a towel, wraps it around his waist. He gets a bowl of water, and then he gets a towel, and he starts going through one disciple's feet after another and starts washing their feet. The hands of a leader are the hands of a servant. Too often, I'll meet people that they want to be in charge, but they don't want to serve. May it be said that you are the first to serve, that you seek out opportunities to serve, that you look for someone to serve. And let it be known, at this church, if serving is beneath you, then leadership is beyond you. Let me say it again. At this ministry, if service is beneath you, then leadership will always be beyond you. Amen. I don't care how wise you may think you might be. I don't care how much money you may think you have in the bank. What this world needs is a servant leader. Somebody that doesn't mind going up to some homeless person, putting their arms around them and saying, may I pray with you? Can I help you? May I do something for you? Or going up to someone who's just lost a job, just lost a spouse and said, how may I help you? How may I bear a burden this morning? How can I be a blessing to you? Or goes out of your way to serve someone else. It can be as simple as, may I get you a cup of coffee? May I hold the door for you? Or simply just picking up trash. Or you see a new mother coming in and saying, hey, our children's ministry is amazing. Your child may cry at first, but it's going to be okay. I'll hang out with your child. It's going to be fine. These are all things we overlook. But they're all things that leaders do. They're all things that you say, I want to grow. And the hands of a leader are the hands of a servant. But too often... As the old hymn goes, my house is full, but my fields are empty. Food on my table, but no one wants to work in my fields. The church is filled with people who want to watch everyone else do the work. I'm so blessed and encouraged this morning that we had a man show up at 5.30 to set up this morning. That's amazing. 5.30 a.m. Ask me what I was doing at 5.30 a.m. I have my coffee, my Bible, my fire song, my husky was at my feet. Just enjoy my time with the Lord. As there's another dear brother who's looked around thinking, where's that pastor at? He's not here to serve. Yes, we'd be here. I'm thankful for servants in this church. I'm thankful for the people that say, it's not about me. It's about serving the other. It's about being a blessing. What happened today is the fact that the church has lost sight that we're servants. The only problem is, you and I, we say amen to a servant until somebody treats you like a servant. Until somebody forgets that you are in charge and that you do know your stuff and they, they look down on you or they're rude to you. And they're like, hey, 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 I don't mind being a servant, but, but you're going to treat me like a servant and we got a problem. A servant just says, okay, yeah, I don't mind. I don't like it, but I don't mind it. And that's hard, because in the church sometimes we feel like, well, everybody should be Christ-like and loving, and nobody should be rude, and everybody should be kind, and everybody should be caring and considerate, but yet somebody is rude when they drop off their child at Rich Kids, or somebody's rude, and they cut me off in line to get my coffee, and we think, how dare that church? They're all a bunch of hypocrites. (laughs) Can I just tell you right now, my friend, everybody in this church is a hypocrite. And everyone in your life is too. None of us are perfect. We're just imperfect people trying to follow the one who is perfect. 
perfect. We don't put a sign up. We don't have a sign on the way into this hotel that says, only perfect people allowed. Because if we did, I wouldn't be allowed in. I wouldn't be here. And so here we say, what are the hands of a leader? And then lastly, what are the habits of a leader? Look at this in this passage. Did you notice something? You think Jesus learned these habits on his own? Verse 41. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. Every year they went. Parent, grandparent, do people ask you what you're going to do on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m.? Do they wonder what you're going to do? Do they ask you, hey, you watching, watching TV? You going to breakfast? You going to the park? You going to go sleep in? You going to walk the dog? Do they wonder what you're going to do on a Saturday, on a Sunday morning? Or do they just know what you're going to do? Do they know what you're going to do on a Monday morning before you go off to work? Do they know that you're going to spend some time kneeling by the side of your bed just spending a few minutes in prayer asking the Holy Spirit for help because you know you need him? Do people know that before you start your day at the office that you set some time aside to open up a Bible and just read a verse or two before you get going off into the day because you know life gets hectic? Do people know that your habit is good habits? Because a leader has right habits. And too often, we don't even think about our habits as a leader. There's a life that you want, but it's built around the habits that you need. Notice this, verse 48, so when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? This is powerful because Jesus' first words, this is the first recorded words. If you've got a red letter edition of the Bible, which you can get a Bible that has all the words of Jesus in red, this is his very first recorded words. And what are Jesus' very first recorded words all about? His purpose. His first words had to do with his purpose. He knew what he was about. How old is he? Twelve. It's okay to talk back. It's okay to give you a little bit more animated. I know we're, 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 we're trying to figure out what happened to that hour of sleep. You'll catch up. Don't worry. You'll adjust. But Jesus is just 12 years old. He already knew what he was all about. He already knew his purpose. I love it when I meet a 12-year-old that already knows what they're about. A 12-year-old that's already saying, I'm going to have it figured out, but I think I know what I want to do. I pray for the 24-year-olds that they don't know what they're going to do. I know 30-year-olds that don't know what they're going to do. And here Jesus says, I know my purpose. Understand this, leadership is all about purpose, not platforms. And some people think the purpose of leadership is just so I get a platform. So people can say, look at me, look at me, look at me. That's narcissism. We have enough narcissism in the church. We don't need more of it. What we need is some people that say, I have a purpose, and this platform is not the purpose. It only helps fulfill the purpose. You see, the purpose of the church is leading people to find and follow Jesus, correct? Amen. Yes, it is. And so we leverage this platform to open up this holy word, this inspired word. My words are not inspired, but these words are. So when we open up the word of God, and when these words are spoken, that has life, that has truth, that has the ability to transform your life, 
The kindest words cannot transform you, but this word most certainly can, my friend. This word can save you. This word can change you. And so this is why when we open up the word of God, we are opening up a holy book. And we leverage this book to communicate to the world, to communicate to San Jose what we're all about. We sent out 35,000 mailers. Why? Because we want to be able to open up this book and tell them that there is a Jesus who loves them, who died for them, so that they can have an eternal heaven, an eternal home in heaven. And we're going to leverage this to do that. So we leverage the platform. We didn't start a church just because we want some platform. It would have been much easier and much cheaper to go set a platform in some park and go yell at the trees. <laughs> but that's not what we're doing. We're saying, this is important. We're going to seek God and we're going to put him first. And leadership is about the purpose but I love this, verse 50, but they did not understand this statement which he spoke to them. You know, my friend, when you are fulfilling the purpose God has given you, you need to learn that you don't mind when people misunderstand you. There are some people that may not understand why you protect Sunday mornings to go worship in the house of God. They may not understand why you protect an amount of your income that you say, I'm going to steward this to kingdom causes. They may not understand why you carve out time in your schedule every single day to spend time with God. They may misunderstand you. And who's the one that misunderstood Jesus? His mother. Even the people closest to him. But a leader doesn't mind. I love this. Verse 51, then he went down to them with them and came to Nazareth and was subject. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and man. You know, the biggest common mistake that I hear from people, because I've made this same mistake myself, is that Jesus was subject to his parents. He had told his mom and his dad, he said, I must be about my father's business. And for every Jewish boy, 12 years old, that's when you would enter a trade. That's when your career would begin at 12. What Jesus was telling his parents was, I've chosen my career. It's here. I've decided that's what I'm going to do. He was 12. That, that was the decision he was making. But then his parents came and they said, no, you need to come back with us. Let me ask you a question. Who was a better leader? God the Father, because Jesus said I must be about my father's business. Was he talking about Joseph or God? God. So we established. He's talking about God. Who's the better leader? God or Joseph? Yes, God. <laughs> You're correct. Go with your gut. It's God. God's the better leader. Always. Okay? If anybody asks you which is better, God or anything, just say God. All right? A little secret. And you're good. You're, you get an A plus. All right? Here's what's so powerful, though. Jesus decided and was okay with following the weaker leader. Say, where are you going with this? Some of you are saying to yourself, God, I can't grow. I have a lousy husband. You won't say that out loud, but you're saying, God, I can't grow because my boss is a weak leader. God, I can't grow because my church is not this big church. God, I can't grow because the people above me aren't as talented and skilled and they're not helping me. 
And there's a whole culture developing of people that think, I've got to have a certain caliber leader for me to grow. And it's not true because what happened to Jesus? What was the very last verse of the chapter? Did he stop growing all of a sudden because he's following Joseph, who's arguably the weaker leader? No, what happened? You see, we miss this. And get this, my friend, your potential has nothing to do with your position. Your potential, you could be at the very worst, lamest job that you hate, and you can grow there. You can be a marriage that is crippling and stifling, and you can grow there. Amen. You can be at a ministry that you say, I don't know what God is doing here, and God can put you there year after year after year after year, and you're just wondering, God, what are you doing? And God says, you can grow here. How many people are making the false assumption that they've got to have some great leader for them to grow? Your growth is your responsibility, and God is saying you can grow anywhere. You can grow because Jesus, in the last verse, verse 52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. How many of you would love that to be you? Don't you want to increase in wisdom? Don't you want to increase in favor with God and man? I want that. I don't just want it. I need that. I need that. I need the people of the county to be in favor of us. I want the people of San Jose to be in favor of us. And that can happen. And yet, for many of you, it's not happening because you are stuck on, I don't have a good leader. And I've heard that. I've heard people say, oh, I just need a better leader. If I just had a better leader, then I could grow more. No. Because you're making the assumption that that leader is the one that's the only one that can help you grow. You can grow. I was at a ministry for seven years. That leader didn't take me to conferences, didn't give me books, didn't spend time mentoring me, didn't do any of that stuff. But I grew. Because I figured out real quick, real quick, this is on me. And that's true of anywhere in life. I go to a gym. Yes, I pay a membership. But if I just walk in and say to the owner of the gym, all right, I'm here. Do something with this. Just <laughs> be like, well, there's some weights over there. And there's some pull-up bar over there. Get to work. Oh, no, 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 no. You're not a good enough leader. It's a funny illustration, but y'all do that all the time. Oh, our country, we got the wrong leaders. I don't know if we can really make it. We're going to go up and give you a bomb shelter in Minnesota. I don't know why I'm using this accent. Are you kidding me right now? You can thrive. If the Christians thrive under Nero, you and I can thrive. Come on, church. Come on. If Christians can thrive in caves, we can thrive in a room where the power goes out and the AC doesn't work, the heat doesn't work, where it's hard to get to the kids and where the kids got uh, the, the leaky roof over there. God's not limited by any of this. But yet we get in our mind that God, oh man, if we just had this and that, then we could really do something. The early church had nothing, and look what they did, turn the world upside down. My friend, we are horribly misguided unless we did it. Let me close this illustration. In Forbes magazine, 2005, Bud Ward and James Avery were listed as the very first African-American CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. They were telling their story. They said, when we started, one let ExxonMobil, the other Marriott Hotels, all the Marriott Hotel chains. They said, when we started at our positions, we couldn't use the same restroom. 
And we couldn't drink from the same water fountain. And here we are. We run the place. Your potential is limited by your position. Your potential is limited by your disposition. Your disposition says, I don't want to be here. You're not a good leader. This church is friendly. Coffee's not always free. Free coffee, not just when I'm tired. I want the AC and the heat to work. I need this, otherwise I can't grow. I need a church that, that, that they got this, that, this, and then I'll grow. You kidding me? You're going to get all that. And you still have a stinky attitude. And what are you going to blame them? Because of your disposition. Can we stand? Let's close. Worship team, would you come on up? You see, Jesus knew what his purpose was. He had a purpose to fulfill. Jesus had a picture of the future. And then Jesus laid out a path for us to follow. Your purpose starts with the person of Jesus Christ. More than anything, our church exists so that you would know Jesus. We want you to be a leader and a follower of Jesus. Do you know him? He loves you. He knows you and wants to know you better. Your leadership journey starts at the feet of Jesus. History is one great leader. And if you want to grow in your leadership, follow Jesus. You're here this morning. You don't need Jesus with your heart. And you want to receive Christ as your Savior today. You say, I want to repent of my sins. And I want to follow Christ as my Savior. Is that you? You slip up a hand. Can I pray for you? Anybody like, I see that hand. Amen. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? most important part of our church is that we compel people to follow Christ. The greatest joy and greatest privilege of our lives is why we exist. We unashamedly say it's all about Jesus here at Southridge. Unapologetically pointing people to Jesus. He's our friend. He's our hope. He's our future. Heavenly Father, we pray for everyone that's here today. May we be better leaders. We pray that we would follow you. The worship team's going to lead us in a song of invitation. If you would like to slip out and, and pray and ask God to help you be a leader, ask the Holy Spirit to help you to decrease in spirit and stature and favor with God and man, if you can slip out, we'd love to pray with you or you can make an altar of your seat. But right now, as the worship team leads us in a song, let's come to Jesus. Thank you again for spending time with us today. And a special thanks to those who give generously to Southridge Church. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about Southridge, you can follow us on social media at Southridge Now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with a friend or even take a screenshot and share it on your social story. Make sure you tag Southridge Church and let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.